Well, hey, church, glad to see you guys here this morning. Um, have you ever been invited to do something that you just really don't want to do? Right? Like, we've all been there. We've all been there probably a lot of times. Um, and maybe for you, when that happens, maybe it's like your husband or your wife or your friend or somebody's just like, oh, come on, let's just go, let's just do this. All right? And they, they kind of talk you into it, and you end up going. But it's just one of those things where it feels more of an obligation than it does an opportunity. And you're just like, oh, okay, maybe you even go just to kind of get it get it done and out of the way with. Um, and so you go, and maybe you went anyway, and uh, it, it just wasn't as bad as what you imagined it being. Does that ever happen where you're just like, okay, all right, this is like, this is cool, all right? In fact, maybe it was great. Maybe it was just so much better. Maybe for you, um, it, maybe for you, it maybe even changed like the trajectory of your life. Maybe you met like your spouse through that, or maybe you met like a really good friend that you guys are still friends and so just kind of changed your life. Maybe for you, you got, you're able to network with somebody and find somebody who's later going to offer you a job and, and maybe it just changed everything about your life um, eventually, but you just didn't know at that point. And so maybe for you, if that's happened, where you ever like look back on those situations, you're like, man, what if I didn't go? Like how much different would my life be like right now? Like what if I, what if I didn't go? Like I was so close to missing out, or maybe it's the opposite for you, okay, um, where someone invites you to do something, and you're just like, man, I just really don't want to do, and you just like straight up tell them no, you're like, hey, and we don't usually just say no out loud, usually we're like, oh, yeah, oh, man, oh, that night, yeah, I got something going that night, you know, and even if you don't really have anything going, then you go run, try to like schedule something for that night, so it's not considered a lie, but actually it is a lie, you get what I'm saying, you ever done that? All right, and so you tell them no, and, uh, and then you find out after the thing happened that you like missed out on something. You're like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, I didn't know that person was gonna be there. You guys, did, you guys went where? Or you guys did that? I didn't know you guys were gonna do that. And then you regretted not going and because you missed some sort of opportunity. Uh, in 2015, something like that kind of happened. Uh, this is just one that kind of came to the top of my mind. Um, back when Ohio State was national champions or getting ready to be national champions. And, um, and so they, uh, they go to the national championship. And I have a buddy who, it was in Dallas that year. And uh, I had a buddy who was from Dallas. And he's like, hey, I got tickets. All right. I found you a cheap, a cheap plane flight, like cheap flights down. And, uh, and I got a place to stay. Like, it's just not going to cost you very much money. You should come and watch the national championship game with me. And he's like telling me, he's like trying to talk me into it. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like the thing about sports is like you go to a big game like that, it could really be, you know, it could either be awesome or it could be like the worst night ever of your life. You get what I mean? Like it's either one or the other. And so I'm like, man, I don't know. Like I'd like to, but I just really don't think they're going to win. And you know, I just don't want to be there for like defeat. Like that's not going to be fun. And you got to watch them celebrate and stuff like that. It's just annoying, you know, like that type of thing. And so I just said, I was like, nah, man, I just can't make it. I probably came up with some lame excuse about why I couldn't go. And, uh, and then they won. And now every time we talk football, he's always like, hey, you remember that time where I was trying to get you to go? And I'm like, shut up. You know, like that type of thing happens. See, here's the deal. You never know what hangs in the balance of your decisions, right? Like, you, you, you never know. And so today we're going to be talking about that. In fact, today we're in part eight of our series, um, Investigating the Real Jesus. And we've been talking about the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. And so we've gone through, over the last few weeks, we've gone through the first four chapters of the book of Luke that's in our Bibles. And uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to try to cover an entire chapter, chapter five, all together. So you guys ready for that? Okay, good, good. Um, at this point in Jesus' ministry, this is like, well, 
right at the beginning. This is what Luke tells us. Is he's investigating. He's does, done all the, all the investigation. He's talked to all the eyewitnesses. You know, he's sit down. He's had the conversations. And, this is, and he tells us this is what happened. Um, at this point, Jesus, he's about 30 years old. Okay, he's been a carpenter his entire life. He leads her, he leaves home and he heads out to the middle of nowhere and meets up with this like prophet guy that people, that's kind of new on the scene himself and, and he's saying all kinds of crazy things. He dresses weird and he goes to this guy named John the Baptist. That's his nickname. And people, he's not the only person that goes to John the Baptist. There's people all over the place. I mean, crowds and crowds and crowds of people out in the middle of the desert. There's this river, the Jordan River, and they're all out there and he's like baptizing people, which is a totally kind of new thing to these people. And everybody's like, this is crazy, but I'm going in, I'm getting baptized that's awesome. And, and Jesus goes, and if you remember, because we've talked about this, that when John sees Jesus kind of descending down towards the river, he points, and there's crowds everywhere. He points at him. And he says, look, that's the guy. He says, that's the guy that's so much more important than me. He says, look, that's the guy who is actually the savior of the world. He's the one that the whole Old Testament is constantly pointing us to saying, hey, God's going to send a savior. He's going to send someone who's going to fix your sin problem. And nobody understood exactly what that meant. Nobody understood exactly what that savior would do. But everybody knew that that person was coming. And here's John as Jesus walks down and he's saying, that's the one, that's the the guy. And so Jesus gets baptized that day. And you would think at this point, I mean, there's crowds everywhere. You would think that this would be the perfect opportunity for Jesus to like start his ministry. Like, all right, you know, he's already got crowds. We're here, like get everybody to follow him. And maybe they go to Jerusalem, which wasn't that far away. It's the biggest city in really the entire region. You would think that would be the moment where Jesus would start his, start his following, where he start his movement. But Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, we're going to find out over the next couple months that Jesus Man, he does a lot of things that we wouldn't normally do, okay? He does everything different because he's different than us. And so he goes, and instead of going to the city, instead of hanging out and being with the crowds and beginning his movement, he actually goes in isolation and he leaves out in the middle of the desert by himself and he stays out there for like over a month. And then after that, you would think maybe, okay, maybe now it's time. Like he's had his time with God and he's, he's, he's ready for this and maybe now he's gonna go start his movement. And he doesn't do it either, not then. All right, he actually goes north and he heads home to a region called Galilee. Last week we talked about how he goes to his hometown, right, Nazareth, and what happens, right? The people reject him, his own people, right? In fact, they don't just like reject Jesus, like, hey, we don't really like you anymore, Jesus. No, remember they tried to kill him. They manhandled him, they, they drug him to the edge of the cliff, and they tried to throw him over. And so Jesus leaves that town, which sounds like a pretty good idea, and he goes to other towns. One of the other towns that he would go to was this town called Capernaum. And Capernaum is a lot bigger than Nazareth. It's a, it's, a, it's a small city. And there he starts healing people, and crowds and crowds and crowds and crowds of people just come, and they flock to Jesus, and they want to see um, this stuff happen. They want to see what they would view maybe as his like, tricks, his magic tricks. They're like, hey, we want to see these people getting healed and all this stuff. And so that's where we left off last week, where the people of Capernaum, they love the fact that Jesus is there because all these crowds are coming from all over the place, miles and miles and miles away. They're all coming to Capernaum, and it's working out well. All right, everybody, I mean, the mayor's happy, the businesses are happy, everybody's happy, the traffic's a little annoying, but everybody understands that this is really, really, really great for the town. And so the people go to Jesus, they say, hey, Jesus, why don't you like hang out with us? Why don't you set up like your home base with us? All right, the sweet place. We're not going to try to kill you like Nazareth. All right, like we're on your team here, Jesus. And Jesus tells him, he's like, nah, I'm actually getting ready to leave. He says he needs to go to other towns. And so he leaves. And Jesus eventually finds himself on the shore of a huge lake called the Sea of Galilee. 
and he begins teaching. Now, remember, all right, at this point, news has leaked out about Jesus. I mean, he's doing things that people have never seen done before. He's saying things that people have never heard anybody say before. And so people are traveling long distances to come see Jesus. And Luke says in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, he says, this is what happens next. He says, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing uh, by Lake Gennesaret. Right? That's just another word for, um, for the Sea of Galilee. He says, he saw two boats at the edge of the lake, and the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Right? Now, for us, right, this is a little hard for us to picture, but when Luke is writing this down, as he's doing all the investigation, as he's putting this down all into one and compiling it all into one document, right, his original readers, they all would completely understand this situation and exactly what is happening, right? Everybody knew. Because back then, commercial fishermen, what they did is they fished at night, right? That's where the fish come up closer to the surface because the water, you know, isn't as, isn't as warm. And so you could actually take a net and you could throw it overboard with weights and you could catch a bunch of fish, you could pull it in. And so that's what commercial fishermen did. And they would spend all night catching fish. And then when the sun comes up and the, 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 um, the water starts to warm again, that's when they would head back to shore. And now when they head back to shore, for a commercial fisherman, their, their job's not done. And they actually, they got a bunch of work. They got to clean all the fish, right? That'd be a pain. And then they had to wash the nets and then they have to dry the nets, which would all take, you know, this would take a while. This would take a couple hours. And then after that, that's when they would go home, eat, go to bed, right? Sleep throughout the afternoon, wake up in the late afternoon and repeat. Okay, so that's what they did. That was their normal life. And so commercial fishermen are doing this at this time as Jesus is teaching. So that would make this late in the morning. And um, they're probably like, you know, half paying attention. They're doing their things. They're doing their work. They can hear this teacher kind of off in the distance. He's doing some sort of sermon. And so they're like half paying attention. Kind of like some of you guys at work, you got your like, you know, you're listening to some podcast or something like that. And so, and so that's what they're doing. They're kind of listening to Jesus. Maybe some of you guys like, maybe it's kind of like how some of you guys are right now, like, half paying attention, half not, because you got things on your mind. Totally respect that. I understand reality. All right. And so Jesus, right, comes up with this idea. He gets into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon. Now, last week we talked about how Simon, uh, we're going to know him as Peter. And so he gets into the boat belonging to Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down and he was teaching the crowds from the boat. Now, if you can imagine, all right, here's Jesus. He's up on kind of the, the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. You know, all these people are just crowding in, you know, around him. And he, he keeps backing up, backing up, backing up. He's like stepping into the water. He's like, all right, this is just not going to work. He needs space. And everybody's all up in his personal space. Okay, you ever have that where you're talking to somebody and you're like, we are really close to each other. You get, like some people, they just don't have like, I don't know, they just don't know, like personal space. Their personal space is different distance than, than the normal average person. Um, if you don't know anybody like that, can I just say this? You're probably that person. Okay, it's probably you. Just being honest with you. And that's cool, all right? That's, that's you, that's how you do it, all right? I, that, that's fine. Um, not long ago, I was actually out here in the, in the atrium, and I was talking to a guy, and I like this guy. He's a really good guy. And, um, and all, all day, people have been like, I think I know who, what guy you're talking about. And I'm like, I don't think you do. And so anyway, everybody's been trying to guess it. Not a big deal. All right, this is a really good guy. But he's a talker, all right? You know people like that? He's a talker, all right? By the way, sometimes it's really, really, really handy to have a talker around. You ever in like an awkward situation where it's just like, I just need someone to talk and that's where your talker comes in. And it's perfect, all right? Love that. And so um, 
this guy, we were talking, and we were, we were having a, it was a long, lengthy conversation, and, um, and he's pretty close, and what I found myself is like, you know, you, you take a step back, right, casually, not a big deal, and then they take two steps forward, and you're like, man, this is not working out, okay? And so I found myself, I was like, we kept kind of circling around, and then, well, this is kind of just how my brain works, is like, I start, I turn it into a game, you know, I'm like, I wonder how many times I can lead him in a circle, you know, and we'll just go around and around and around, and we did it a whole bunch, and, uh, and before you say how messed up that is, let me just remind you that, hey, man, even Jesus needed space, okay? And he's, and he's Jesus. So um, here's Jesus. He's doing his, his thing. He, he, he asked Peter to row him out just a few yards, you know, into the lake when people are sitting down along the shore. And he put space, this put space between him and the crowd. So now everybody can see him. Right, which helps a lot. Not only that, but if the lake was calm, which I think we can assume it was, right, the lake acts like a natural amplifier, so people can not only see Jesus better, but people can hear Jesus better as well. And so here's Peter. Instead of getting his work done so he can go to bed because he's been up all night, it's been a really, really, really long night, now he finds himself sitting in his own boat right, with Jesus sitting as Jesus is is teaching. And so he has to listen. I mean, this ain't like church where you're kind of all sitting, looking in the same direction, and you can kind of nod off, and it's not that big of a deal because nobody can listen, all right, or nobody can notice, all right? He's in the boat. The whole crowd of people, they're all watching Peter, and they're all watching Jesus, and he's like a couple feet away from Jesus. So he's like locked in. He has to be. That's just, that's just how it is, and he's tired. And so um, when Jesus had finished speaking, Jesus says to, to Peter, he says, hey, Got an idea, another idea. Hey, why don't we put out into deep water? Let's like row out there and uh, let down your nest for a catch. Let's go fishing. That's what Jesus says. All right, how about that? Sounds like a good idea. You're a fisherman. All right, I would like to go fishing. Maybe Jesus has never been fishing before. Maybe not like this. And so he's like, hey, let's, let's go check it out. And so Peter, when he hears this, it's like one of those things where, where you get an invitation to go somewhere and you're just like, ah, I think I got something else going on. He, he, he tries to let Jesus down easy. He's like, He's like, Jesus, Jesus, up, oh, master, master. You know, he's, he's trying to be respectful. He's trying to be polite. He's saying, sir, all right, Jesus, um, listen, I'm what you would call a, uh, I'm not trying to brag or nothing, but I'm like what you would call a professional fisherman. All right, that's who I am. That's what I, that's what I do. That's what I've been doing my entire life. And, and if I heard you right, like you were just saying in the boat, like, you're a carpenter, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a carpenter. And, um, and he's like, okay, if I need help, like, remodeling my bathroom, like, I'll give you a call, and I defer to you. But this whole fishing thing, I mean, Peter's just like, man, uh, this is kind of what I do, all right? This is what I do. This is, like, my thing. And uh, this is just not the right time of day to go. Like, the fish ain't biting. Like, they're not going to be out there. They're going to be way down deep. There's no way we can catch fish with a net. Now, when Jesus asks this, okay, I think we can all assume because of who Jesus is. Like, Jesus knows what he's doing, right? What Jesus is asking for is completely doable. Okay, Peter does this on a daily basis. This is what he does. The problem is, and the problem for Peter is, what Jesus is asking for, it's just completely unreasonable. It's just a complete waste of time. This, this is going to take them hours. Not only does Peter have to row all the way out to deep water, right? but then they have to fish, and who knows how long that's going to take. Who knows how long it's going to take for Jesus to be satisfied catching, pulling up empty nets. And then on top of that, he's got to row back, and then he's got to rewash all the nets, and then he has to re-dry all the nets before he can go home. And he's already been up all night. 
right? And so I know some of you guys, like, uh, not much sleep. Like, it's just you're not a good person, okay? And that's probably how Peter is. And he's probably a little frustrated, and he's just like, man, this is so awkward, but I really, really, really don't want to go. And besides that, Peter says, we've worked hard all night long, and we've caught nothing. He's like, there ain't nothing out there, Jesus. All right, this is a waste of time. This is not going to work. And I don't know exactly how this all went down because Luke doesn't give us every single little detail. But my guess is maybe Peter kind of rolls his eyes a little bit, all right? And he goes to his partners. His partners is, number one, his brother Andrew, and then two other guys uh, who happen to be brothers with each other, James and John. And he goes up to him. He's like, hey, guys, uh, hey, uh, yeah, the teacher, the rabbi over there, he's sitting in my boat, yeah, awkward. You know, he's just like, he's just like, he wants to go fishing, and they're probably like, oh, man, that's cool. All right, tell them to, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd make tonight's work more fun, right? Tell them to meet us back here at 6. That's awesome. And then he's like, nah, nah, nah. They, <laughs> he wants to go fishing now. And they're like, now? Are you kidding me? All right, we can't go now. We just washed our nets. All right, they just dried. And Peter's like, I know, I know, I told them that. And, and they're like, and Peter, we've been up all night. We haven't caught anything. The fish aren't out there. It's just, this is not a good time. And Peter's like, I told him that too. Like, he, he knows that, but he really wants to go. So you guys, in, like, can we just go? And, and, and Peter, he walks back to Jesus and he turns to him and he says, all right, if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Can I just point one thing out real quick? This phrase, but if you say so, that phrase, when it comes to Jesus and our obedience to him, that phrase has the potential to change the trajectory of your life. It just does. So I don't know about you, but sometimes, um, you know, I just, I, I, I just know what God has for me or what he wants me to do. Number one let, me, one, let me just say this. God has given us his words, okay? And this is why it's so important to be reading his words, because how do you know how God wants to live how God wants you to live your life if you don't know what he says. You get what I'm saying? A lot of times we view the Bible as like one of these things where it's like, oh, that's just a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts that we got to follow and we got to obey so that someday God will look down on me and, uh, and favor me enough to like invite me to heaven. Okay, that's what we view the Bible. That's not what the Bible is, right? That's not what it is. The Bible is a, a, a series of documents that, that God has put together for us so that we could know him better. Right? That should mean something to you. We should want to know our creator better. And all the things that God has for us, when he says, hey, you should live your life like this, that's not necessarily for his benefit. That's for our benefit. He tells us that, you know why? Because it's good for you and the people around you. And so he tells us how we should be living our life. And so we got the Bible, and sometimes, you know, we should be reading that. We should, that should be like altering how we change our life. It should constantly be like correcting us, right? But sometimes there's things that aren't directly addressed in the Bible that you just feel in your heart where you're just like, man, I, like, I, I know God wants me to do this thing, right? Like, I know this is what God wants for me in your life. And you feel this tension, and you know deep down what God wants you to do. And maybe for you, if you're wrestling with some issue like that, like, if you're like, if you're like me, like, you're really, really, really good at excuses. Anybody like that? All right, where you're thinking to yourself, okay, God, like, I hear you, but man, that's gonna, that's gonna cost too much. People are gonna think I'm weird, and I don't know, that's just too much risk. I don't know about that. Or, or for some of us, it's like, yeah, you know, I'll be generous, or I'll be able to do that when my financial situation is better, like in the future, or that's just too much to give up, God. Or maybe for some of us, we're like, man, that's just not gonna work. All right, for some of us, we're like, God, that's just, I don't know, man, that's just, that's just unreasonable. 
And all these excuses, like it floods our minds, I bet in this moment, all these excuses, they flood Peter's mind. And, and that's the thing. See, some of us, we get in the habit, we get really good at, at knowing and thinking about why we can't. That's not what God has called us to do. And so here's Peter. This makes no sense. This is completely unreasonable. But he did it. He didn't like it. He didn't want to. But he obeys. And he had no idea what hung in the balance of that decision. See, he had no idea that he was going to become one of Jesus' followers. He had no idea that he, ha- that he would have a role to play in the greatest story in the history of the world. He had no idea that God would use him to start a movement that would be going on for the next you know, matter of centuries, this thing called the church. He had no idea that people 2,000 years later would be learning from his life both the good things and the bad things. See, Peter has no idea what hung in the balance of his decision. And can I say this? Neither do you. You don't know. You might think you do. You might think you got a pretty good idea, but you don't know what hangs in the balance of your decision to follow and obey Jesus. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to say yes to what he wants you to do. You don't know what joy hangs in the balance. You don't know what success, what freedom, what good hangs in the balance. Right? You don't know whose souls hang in the balance of your decision to follow and obey Jesus. I mean, I mean, think about it. As a Christian, which isn't everybody in this room, right? but those of us who at some point we've given our life over to Jesus, like, I mean, I hope that if you call Grace or Church Home, like, you know this, right? You know what our main job as Christians to do is, right? Like, we, you know what our mission is? To do whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can for, to, for Jesus, right? That's what we're here for. God doesn't, you know, that's our, that's our main job. It's not like a secret out there. Um, it's something that, it's the same thing for all of us. And Jesus, he straight up tells us, right? He makes it as easy as possible for us to understand. But for me personally, see, sometimes I'll be talking to somebody, and I'll be at the store, at the gas station. Usually, almost always, it's somebody that I don't, like, have a personal relationship with at all, okay? I don't, I don't know these people. And sometimes I feel it, you know? You ever get that feeling, like, way deep down, where you're like, uh, God wants me to do something here, okay? And usually it's something like, you know, I'm like, I need to invite this person to church. Or, or even better yet, it's I need to tell this person about what Jesus has done for him. And so, and so sometimes I feel that feeling, and it's just awkward. You ever feel that way? We're just like, man, I don't know. Like, this is just, this is just weird. And, and by the way, every single time that I've done that, all right, it's always been weird. It's gotten easier because I'll get more used to the weirdness, but the weirdness doesn't go away, right? It's just how it is. And so, you know, sometimes I'm like, and I like straight up address the weirdness usually with what I do. You know, I'll, I'll be talking to somebody, you know, usually it's just kind of um, small talk or whatever. And I'll be, you know, I have to say something like, hey, I, I know this is weird, you know, but I just want you to know, like, Jesus is real. He loves you. He cares for you. He died for you, right? Every time I've done something like that, it's always been a positive interaction. Like, never once have I been somebody like, how dare you bring the name of Jesus to me? Like, that's never happened, all right? That's something that I think we worried about. I don't think that happens, okay? Maybe you meet, like, a hardcore atheist, but usually they respect it even. And so here's the deal. Like, sometimes, like, I feel it deep down, and I'm like, okay, I need to invite them to church, or I need to, I need to tell them about Jesus, or whatever it might be. And sometimes I do it. Unfortunately, other times I don't. And you know why I don't? It's because I come up with excuses in my head. Right? 
I think to myself, I'm like, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's just not enough time. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm heading out of here. This person's probably going over this way. You know, it's just not going to work. Or, man, God, I don't know. This is just weird. Or I don't want to be too pushy. You know, stuff like that. Like, these are the things that kind of enter my mind. By the way, I don't, think, I don't think any of those come from God. You know what I mean? Like, that's always the enemy. It's not God. And so sometimes, like, if I'm completely honest with you, sometimes I'll walk away and I'll just think to myself, I'm like, you know, I hope their soul didn't hang in the balance of my disobedience. It's kind of heavy to think about. I mean, you ever think about anything like that? I'm not saying it's our fault when people ultimately reject God. Like, it's, it's their own decision. We all, you know, it's their personal decision. But like, sometimes I'm just wondering, I'm like, what if they were almost there? Like, what if they were so close? What if God had orchestrated behind the scenes, he did everything lined up and everything perfect, and he actually put me in their life, maybe in a big way, usually, from what I see, is in a tiny, like, minor, minor way, all right, because I don't know these people, and maybe it's the perfect moment. Maybe God knows what's going on inside of them. I don't. And maybe it's the perfect moment, and God strikes me with that feeling, and I know, like, I know what he wants me to do, and I look at him and I say, nah, not today. Like, we don't know what hangs in the balance of our decision to follow and obey Jesus. That's why it's so important that we just obey. And so here's Peter. Going out there is not ideal. It makes no sense. But he does it. And when he throws out that net, they caught a great number of fish, probably more than they could even count. And their nets, they caught so many fish. I mean, think about it. This is incredible. It says, and their nets began to tear. This probably never have happened in Peter's life. I mean, this just doesn't happen. And it's in the middle of the day. And so Peter, he yells at his partners. That's James and John, by the way. He's in their own boat, probably on shore, doing their nets, putting everything away for the next, for the next evening. He says he signals to their partners in the other boat. He says to come and help them. And so they came and they filled both boats so full that both boats begin to sink. And everybody's just like, I have never seen anything like this before. And when Peter saw this, I mean, he knows. He knows this is a supernatural thing. And he fall, fell at Jesus' knees and he says, get away from me because I am a sinful man. By the way, this is the reaction that we have when we truly understand who Jesus is. When we truly understand that Jesus isn't just our friend or our homeboy that we can call up and be like, hey, I need you to like fix my mess over here. Thanks, Jesus. You know, like that's not who Jesus is. Jesus isn't the guy who's like the old man who's sitting up in the clouds that's like, you know, giggling every time we do something wrong. That ain't Jesus, all right? That's your Jesus. Got the wrong, got the wrong guy here, all right? See, Peter, when he sees this, and this is his reaction, he's not freaking out because he caught a lot of fish. Right? Peter's freaking out because he instantly re realizes that God is in his boat. That freaks him out. And he falls down, like knees on his knees. His face is like to the ground, right? He's covered in fish because the boat is full of fish. And he's just like, who is this guy? And when Peter and Andrew, when they see this, right, they are amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. They had never seen anything like this before. There's, they've never even heard of anything like this happening before. And so were James and John, right, Zebedee's sons, who were Peter's partners. And so Jesus, he sees this, and everybody's kind of freaking out, and everybody's terrified, and they're kind of excited, and they're just like, what is going on? Who is this guy? And Jesus looks at him, and he says, hey, don't be afraid. Man, don't be scared. From now on, you'll be catching people. 
Nobody understood what that meant. That was weird. And then they brought the boats to land, and they left everything, and they followed him. See, Jesus doesn't just call people to listen to him, which is good, but to follow him. And so what do these guys do? I mean, they drop everything. They drop their nets, they drop their bags, they drop their job, their lifestyles, their status. They drop their fish. I mean, the, for James and John, when we find out what they, they drop their dad. I mean, they're just like, see you, dad. We are going with this guy later. They do all that to follow Jesus. And what's crazy about it is he, God invites us to follow him as well. And when we answer that call and when we decide, God instructs us to go and help others to follow him. Right? Our job's not done. So we answer that call. We're like, all right, I'm following Jesus now with my life. And then it's like, you're done. no, that's not how it is. We're then to go help others follow him. Or how Jesus would say it, catch people. And so Jesus, he's about to demonstrate that. And, and he's going to do this in a big way. And so here's Jesus. If you can picture it in your minds. All right, he's doing his thing. Now he's got like four guys with him. So there's like five of them. And they're kind of walking around. He's healing people. He's doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, I mean, they're seeing things that they just can't even believe. And uh, they actually head back to Capernaum. And Capernaum, if you remember, he, I mean, he's got a bunch of fans there. And everybody is like excited. And they're welcoming him, him back to town. And at one point, um, Luke tells us that Jesus, he's teaching in a house. And all these crowds of people, they came, to, like, they show up because that's what happened wherever. Jesus was teaching. And so these guys, um, they show up with a disabled friend. So this friend, they can't walk. He's on a mat. They're like each at a corner. They're carrying this mat. And, uh, and there's so many people surrounding this house and everybody's trying to get a glimpse and everybody's trying to listen to what Jesus has to say that they can't work their way in. They can't even fight their way in to see Jesus, especially when they got this guy on a mat. And so they get creative. And a lot, many of you, you know this story. Uh, they actually go up, they climb to the roof of the house, they drag their buddy up there with them, and then they start digging through the roof. Now, these are like dirt roofs. It's like clay and, uh, and wood beams and, and sticks and stuff like that. So they're like digging through. And this is like mid-message, right? right? So they climb on the roof. They rip a hole in the roof like you do, and they lower their buddy down. Mid-sermon, mid-talk, this paralyzed guy drops right in front of Jesus. And you know what's crazy about it? Jesus is cool with it. All right, Jesus is like, I mean, he ain't even mad. He's just like, dude, okay, this is sweet. And then he chooses to heal the guy, but not right away. All right, it's almost like this guy kind of lands in front of him, and he's just like, uh, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, <laughs> out of the air. And Jesus is like, hey, man, hey, stay paralyzed for just a second. I'm going to use this as a teaching moment. This is awesome. Right? That's what Jesus does. In verse 20, it says, seeing their faith. Right? Jesus sees their faith. By the way, whose faith? The paralyzed guy's faith? No. The faith of his friends who went through all this work to get their buddy to Jesus. Right, the faith of the guys who were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. By the way, it just got me thinking this week. Are you a friend like that? Like, is that you? Probably not like it should, right? myself included. But like, what would it look like if you were willing to do whatever it took to get your friends to Jesus? Like, what would that look like in your life? Or maybe for us as a church, like what would it look like for us as a church if we were willing to do whatever it took to get our friends to Jesus, 
Remember, right, first God invites us to follow him, right? And, but after we decide that, when we choose to follow him, then God instructs us to go help others to follow him. And these guys, man, these guys seem to get it, and Jesus recognizes it. And so he looks down at this guy, this paralyzed guy, who's just like sitting there, and he's like, hey. And he says, hey, friend, your sins, forgiven. I got you. Now, that's not really why the guy came, right? right? That's not really the reason. I mean, this guy wants to walk. I mean, maybe he's even disappointed. He's just like, oh, that's it? You're not going to, like, do something? Like, I'm paralyzed, man. Like, come on. And, and everybody in the crowd, and probably even this guy, they're all just like, what? Are you allowed to do that? Like, I don't think, I don't think you could do that. And they're like, wait, wait, you can't say his, his sins are forgiven. You can't do that. Only God can forgive sins. And then you got the religious leaders, right? They're, like, in the back, like, you know like this, and they're like sitting there, and they're like just watching Jesus, make sure, making sure he doesn't do anything or say anything he shouldn't do. And then they hear him say that, and they're like, whoa! They're like throwing penalty flags at him, like, hey, you can't do that, Jesus! Like, you can't, you can't say that. And Jesus, right, he, he knows what they're doing, and he knows what they're thinking, and he tells them straight up, he says, I did this so that you may know that the Son of Man, he's referring to himself here, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He's saying, I got the authority that you've never even heard of before. You've never even seen it before. I have the authority to forgive sins because I am God. He's making himself out equal or to be equal with God. And then, right, he's got all these people and they're just like, I can't believe he said it. You cannot do that. And they're, you know, they're, they're getting ticked off. Like they're boiling over with rage here. And then he looks at the paralyzed guy and he says, I tell you, get up. Take your mat or take your stretcher. And go home. And so this guy immediately got up. Right? Not six months later, not a year later, not after he went through his therapy, physical therapy, and did this and did that, everything the doctors told him to do. No, he immediately got up before them and he picked up what he had been laying on and he went home glorifying God. And then everybody around, they're just like astounded. They're like, what is going on? And they were giving glory to God. And they were all filled with awe. And they said, we have seen incredible things today. Like here's Jesus. He says this thing that's super controversial, right? Something that they are not allowed to say, you can't say. And then just when they're like, like hitting the peak of their anger, he like turns to the guy and they're like, oh yeah, go ahead and walk. And the guy picks up a walk something that would be very, very difficult to, like, argue with. Like, I don't, and everybody's thinking the same thing. They're like, I don't know what to think about Jesus. Like, like I don't know, like, can't say that, but look what he did. Like, I don't know what to think about this guy. And Luke tells us that basically right after this, he, he, he leaves. And the crowd's trying to figure it out. And probably there's people, there's crowds following him. And Jesus couldn't get a moment alone. It says, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector. Now, we've talked about tax collectors, right? Tax collectors were, they're kind of the, the scum of the of, of the society back then. Um, they were bottom-of-the-barrel type people, that's according to the Jewish people. Uh, tax collectors were Jewish people that worked for Rome. And at this point in history, Rome was an oppressive foreign government who did horrible things to the Jewish people. I mean, just terrible, horrible things that you couldn't even imagine. And so, um, so here's, the, here's this Jewish guy working for Rome, collecting taxes, stealing these people's money, and giving it to the oppressive government, and people hated that. In fact, they were viewed as traitors. Everybody hated these guys. And so here's one of these guys, this tax collector, who happens to be named Levi. We're going to know him as Matthew. All right, he's sitting at a tax office, and Jesus walks up to him, and he says to him, he says, hey, how about you follow me? And everybody's thinking the same thing. 
right? When Jesus does this, there's probably, again, the crowds around him, and he invites Matthew to be a disciple, to be a follower. And the whole crowd, including Peter and Andrew and James and John, who are now with Jesus, they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, Jesus, are you serious? You want that guy? Like, you don't know what that guy's done. I mean, Peter's probably just like, hey, Jesus, man, that dude, that dude just ripped off my mom last year. Like, I'm telling you, you do not want to mess with him. Like, he's not a good person. And the Bible doesn't tell us, right? But we know that Peter had the habit of giving his opinion. And I think maybe that Peter took Jesus aside and said, hey, Jesus, he's a tax collector. Like, we don't want that guy. All right, that's not the kind of guy that you're going to want around. You're supposed to be like a religious leader. Well, you don't hang out with those types of people. Like, that is what gonna, what's going to do you good. You don't want him. And if Peter didn't say it, you know he thought it, along with everybody in the crowd. And then think of Matthew, right? I mean, he's completely caught off guard. People hate him, and he knows it. Right? He doesn't have, all of his friends are just tax collector friends. He doesn't have any others. And here's Matthew. He's like completely caught off guard. He cannot believe it. And here Matthew has an important decision to make. Right? Matthew doesn't know the implications of this decision. He has no idea what hung in the balance of that decision to follow Jesus and obey Jesus or not. And so Matthew, leaving everything behind, he got up and he began to follow him. And then check out what Matthew does immediately. Right? This, is like, this is like later on in the day type thing. All right? Matthew completely understood that. First, I'm going to follow him. But then he's like, now I'm going to help other people follow him. It says later, on the, later that day probably, it says uh, Levi or Matthew, he hosted a big party okay, for him at his house for Jesus. Now, there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. I mean, these are all of Matthew's friends. And, and here they're with this religious leader, this rabbi, this teacher named Jesus. And it's just interesting that, you know, when Jesus was around, it's like uh, people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus, and Jesus liked them back. And they're all hanging out with each other. And then you got the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of that day, right? And their scribes, they were complaining to Jesus' disciples. They go to, like, Peter, James, and John. They're just like, they're just like why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners, like, why are you eating with those people? Those are like the worst people ever. What are you guys thinking you're doing? And Jesus overhears them. And my guess is maybe Peter and James and John and Andrew, like, when they hear this, they're probably like, yeah, man, I don't even know. Like, I don't think this is good either. Like, I'm on your side. Like, these, I, don't, I don't like these people. You know, like that type of thing. But Jesus overhears them, and he replies. He says, man, it's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. He says, I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I mean, here's Jesus. He's partying with these guys. I mean, these guys are, uh, these tax collectors, I mean, they're probably getting drunk. They're going crazy. And, and the religious leaders, they see this happening, and they're just like, hey, hey, why? Why are you with those people who are doing this terrible stuff? And Jesus is just like, man, look at him. It's because these guys are sick. And these guys are just like, yeah, man, we're hanging out with Jesus. Like, like, because they're not allowed to be with any of the religious people. They're like, check it out. We're with Jesus. And then they're like, wait, what? What did you say, Jesus? We're sick. What do you mean by that? And Jesus is like, yeah, look at your life, man. You got problems, <laughs> right? I am here. I came for you because you needed my help. It's a reminder for us that he also came for us. It's a reminder for us that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. We're all messed up, right? We're all messed up, jacked up, horrible, terrible people. Right? Welcome to grace. This is what it is. All right, welcome to church. That's who we are. And the God of the universe, this is what makes it so crazy. This is what makes this story so incredible. The God of the universe wants you to follow him. 
He knows the worst thing that you've ever done. He wants you to follow him. And some of you guys, if you're like completely honest with yourself, you haven't made that decision yet. Maybe for you, you're still trying to figure things out and you're just like, man, I just, I just don't know. Like I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot and I'm trying to figure it out. And by the way, can I just say this? Like Luke is writing to people like you. That's why you should lean in to what Luke has to say. That's why you should come back as we walk through this together, right? That's why you should seriously consider the things that Luke is saying because Luke did all the research. He did all the investigation for you so that you would know. You should do that today. Make that decision. And for those of us in here that we have decided to follow Jesus, I mean, we got to remember that. God instructs us to go help others to follow him. Like, we ain't done, right? Some of us, like, we followed him. We just haven't obeyed him yet. Like, think about it. How are you doing with that? Or maybe how Jesus would say it, and I think he would say it with a smile. How are you doing at catching people? You doing well? See, you don't know what hangs in the balance of your decision to follow and obey Jesus. Peter Matthew, James, John, Andrew, none of these guys understood. Jesus, he's, he's collecting his group. Right? He's, he's collecting his, his crew. They have no idea. But they're about to get to know the real Jesus in a big, big, big way. And we will pick up there next week. Let's pray. God, we um, thank you for these words. And we thank you for, for allowing us to get to know you better and to get to know your heart. And God, we ask that you would help us, help that to like, like get in our hearts. We want to be more like you. Lord, we ask that if there's anybody in here that hasn't made that decision to follow you, that they would make that decision today because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't owe us tomorrow. Help us to do that today. And Lord, for those of us that we've given our life to you, we've made that decision, Lord, we ask that you would help us to obey We've already chosen to follow you. Help us to obey and help others follow you. The people around us. All the things that hang in the balance of our decision to obey or not. God, help us to think about that. Work on us. Fix us when it comes to that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.